0: Can you tell that Chris does a lot of writing on transportation for us?
1: That was pretty evident, actually.
0: Can you tell that we make him think about this stuff like most of his days? (laughs) Can you tell
2: that I don't do a lot of writing about other things for you? The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the
1: podcast is now in order.
0: Let's
3: gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran.
1: Welcome to the last State House Takeout episode of 2019. And while there's only four days left in the year, there's also, believe it or not, just four days left in the decade, in the 2010s. Uh, so joining us here on The Takeout to look back on this year and back on the decade are Chris Lesinski, Colin Young, Katie Lannon, and Matt Murphy of the Statehouse News Service. Happy uh, almost New Year, Sam. <laughs> Thank you. Same to you, Matt. Uh, and since the 16th of the month, we've been counting down at the news service the top 10 stories of this past year. And this is something that we do more or less every year. Uh, We're doing a little bit different this year in that we're releasing one story per day. And uh, here we are today about to unveil the number one story of 2019. Very exciting. Uh, And we'll get to that in just a bit. But um, let's run through quickly uh, what landed on the top 10 list, what the reporters of the State House Press Corps felt were the most impactful headlines of this past calendar year. Uh, Matt, lead us off with number 10.
0: Yeah, number 10, uh, reporters decided on Encore Casino opening up its Encore Boston Harbor Casino on the lovely shores of the Mystic River in Everett.
2: Number nine, we had the legislature and the governor finally agreeing on a new distracted driving law that, unlike the old texting while driving ban, will enforce against all use of cell phones behind the wheel.
3: Coming in at number eight was the almost perpetual budget infighting, uh, mostly among Democrats here on Beacon Hill. The legislature this year was the last in the country to get a a full year budget to the governor. And then uh, to wrap up the year, we saw a good squabble over a supplemental budget to uh, close the books on that year.
4: Number seven is in fact a very Massachusetts story, and it is the abundance of Bay Staters seeking seeking the presidency. In the 2020 election. So we've got Elizabeth Warren and now we've got Deval Patrick. We have Bill Weld and for a little while in there we had Seth Moulton.
0: And maybe someday in the future we'll have our number six entrant on the list but rounding out the bottom tier for Ooh, 2019. Uh, well yeah who knows maybe Ed Markey but the press corps voted for uh, Congressman Joe Kennedy uh, deciding after the party was already reeling from Ayanna Presley's victory over an incumbent to get out and challenge ed markey for his senate seat in 2020 and we're looking forward to that campaign
2: number five on the list was the revelation that traffic is terrible everywhere you turn across the state kind of buoyed by the baker administration's congestion report that concluded that congestion is at a tipping point affecting the economy and greenhouse gas emissions
1: and chris who's at number four on our advent calendar
2: uh, at number four is the RMV scandal that all kicked off with a, a tragic crash up in New Hampshire that led to uh, continuous revelations over the summer about the registry's failure to process out-of-state violations and their backwards efforts to uh, clear thousands of, of driver's licenses uh, suspensions in the wake of that.
0: At number three. We had the uh, June, I believe it was, red line derailment uh, that sparked uh, a series of uh, reforms uh, and initiatives, including the governor's uh, push to accelerate repairs along the MBTA uh, corridors and the hiring of a special task force led by former Transportation Secretary Ray LaHood which uh, just this month came out with a fairly damning report uh, criticizing the culture and safety protocols at the MBTA uh, that's going to uh, hopefully uh, spark some discussion about safety on the T.
3: Number two is uh, contained to mostly the last quarter of 2019, Governor Charlie Baker's uh, temporary ban on the sale of all vaping products, nicotine, cannabis, you name it. For about three months, they were all banned in Massachusetts. Uh, got whittled down by the courts, and uh, now as we wrap up the year, these products are back on shelves.
1: And as we get ready to wrap up our top ten list this year, uh, Katie, you wrote about the number one story for years. Um, it's it's happened. Why was this so momentous?
4: Because it's landmark. It's generational. It's a game changer, to borrow just a few of the phrases we heard over and over when the governor finally signed into law the $1.5 billion seven-year school finance reform bill. And, you know, this, this story has had a little bit of everything. There were New England Patriot players. There were lawsuits. There were huge rallies. There were social media squabbles. And it's been going on for, for so long. I think a lot of people viewed this at the start of the year as, as a really heavy lift. And, and here we are. Not even all the way through 2019 yet, and it's, it's done. Well, except for the implementation, which could be a heavier lift.
1: And stick around in, in just a moment. We'll get to some, uh, some thoughts on the story of the decade, story of the 2010s. But first, let's talk about our, our opinions of this list. Matt, you, you tabulate these votes for us every year. You've seen a bunch of these now in your time with the news service. Uh, what did you think? Would you have put education funding at number one?
0: Well, Sam, I'm glad you asked. I did tabulate this list, and I can tell you that uh, I was an outlier because as we went through, a lot of people had a a number of these stories on their list, and overall, I have to say, I I think this is a a pretty good list, pretty reflective of 2019, especially from the perspective of uh, being on on Beacon Hill and and, and kind of working in this building uh, for the past 12 months. I did not have education this high, and... um, I can see the arguments why. I I put it down lower, I I think, because uh, it felt like it was such a long time coming to resolve something that just seemed like appropriating a whole bunch of more money for public education. Uh, But I also can see why the fact that it took this long might have uh, prompted so many people to put it so high on the list because it felt like such an achievement. But, uh, you know, I I guess uh, there was part of me that just felt like this should have been done a long time ago for something that... um, Seemed like it could have been easier.
1: Hmm. Katie, it was number one for
0: you, right?
4: It it was number one for me, and I promise I didn't just rank you know my own stories this year, and that's how I got to <laughs> it. But um, no, for I think I kind of come at it from the opposite perspective of Matt. Is it does seem like the the thing that made it for me the top story this year is that it it did get done this year. Whatever you know, secret sauce or magic recipe they needed to put together to get this thing that while a lot of people agreed on the the fundamentals you know we had 2018 things seemed so far apart that there were questions about whether this would get done and the fact that somehow this year they they got it done that is pretty um momentous i think and i i will say though that i had although i did put this as number one i had a a tight top three of this impossible traffic situation and the kind of unprecedented vape ban, those were all kinda I couldn't see an argument for maybe any of those being up up at the top.
1: Sure. I, I put ed funding a little bit farther down myself just because I figured it was just one bill out of several impactful pieces of legislation that that got enacted this year. But I would note that looking back at last year's top ten list from twenty eighteen Um, A standalone bill did crack the top three in criminal justice reform, if you remember that other long-awaited compromise bill. Um, Colin, what what did you think of all this?
3: I put traffic as my number one story, uh, and I did that because I thought that was the one thing that really um, was like a thread through all of the year. Maybe it's cheating a little bit because it's not one particular story, um, but traffic slash congestion – uh, everyone complains about it daily. Uh, we saw the issues with the red line and, and really the T generally this year. Uh, we saw how these things are starting to impact businesses. The business community is getting a little bit more, uh, involved around, uh, uh, solutions to traffic and congestion. So I thought that, uh, to me, when I thought back on the year that was kind of the predominant or or, or overarching uh, theme to the year for me. Maybe it was also because I was stuck in a lot of that traffic, too. <laughs> uh, you know, a
1: lot of us were, yeah.
4: You know, one thing I, I think is really interesting is our list, we have kind of the T and traffic as separate entities, and everyone kind of breaks up their, their own ballots differently. I had those as two separate entries on mine, but I wonder if you combined it into one and just the the difficulty of getting around no matter what mode of transit. I mean, I think that's been, like Colin said, a a real theme of the year.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, that's what I had on my ballot was just trying to get from point A to point B, basic commuting, transportation. Uh, Chris, you've been here almost a year, right? You started back in January. I did, yeah. Yeah. So this is your first really full year on Beacon Hill. What did you think?
2: I also would have put the T higher up. Um, I I think Katie's right to draw clear connections between that and traffic because those are really an interconnected topic. Problems on the T make more people drive, which makes the traffic worse, which makes people more frustrated. But uh, I think that this year, problems at the T that have been building for years and years and years really came to a head. It wasn't quite as bad as the apocalyptic winter of 2015, but I think it was a pretty clear sign that you know The efforts put in place in that year might not have gone quite as far as some on Beacon Hill had hoped they would have gone because we saw a derailment that sparked three months of delays on the red line and regular shutdowns uh, on every other line and 15 minute delays on one of the T lines every single day if you just throw a dart at the map. Um, so it, it seems to me that that all really came to a head this year that it maybe didn't the past few years. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to someday do this as a multiple choice, I think, because you're, <laughs> you're all right. The uh, uh, people, the reporters who were voting, uh, they often split these stories up a, a million ways. Uh, and, and you're going to kind of like package them together into into themes. Um, I, too, had traffic at the top of my list. It just it just felt like you couldn't go anywhere in the past year without people complaining about the traffic, talking about the traffic. Uh, it's going to be a major policy issue to resolve, uh, certainly not resolved in 2019, but um, that was uh, that was my top story of the year.
1: Hmm. So what did you guys have on your own ballots that didn't make it into the final top 10? I think everybody's got one or two things that might have been lower down on their rankings that just didn't crack this list. Colin?
3: Yeah, one thing that uh, I would say... Uh, I would have swapped a couple of things out here. We had on our list is no, at number six, Kennedy challenges Markey. Uh, I I had that on my list. Yeah, I had that on my list, but at number 10, uh, partially because I think that's really going to be more of a 2020 story once that election actually happens. Sure. So, but what I think is missing from our list that uh, I had on mine, I guess not enough people agreed with me. Uh, I didn't get quite enough votes on it. But I think an interesting story of 2019 was the... Uh, the selection of Jim Lyons as chairman of the mass GOP. I
1: had that one too. And yeah.
3: well, we, you know, I guess we didn't have enough uh, people on our side because <laughs> it, it didn't make the top 10, but it was a fascinating story. Jim Lyons uh, uh, left the legislature and uh, very early in 2019 was chosen as as the chairman of the Republican Party. And since then, we've seen a growing rift between the party and the sitting governor, Charlie Baker. Uh, and that's really uh, given rise to a number of stories throughout the year.
1: Sure. And he's been trying to rebrand the way that that state party operates. Uh, Chris, what, what was left off you would have put on?
2: I think that uh, the development, the ongoing development of the Transportation and Climate Initiative is something that warrants probably a top 10 spot, maybe not at the top of the list, but particularly given that if you look back across the year, this is probably the only major thing that anyone at Beacon Hill can point to as action on climate change in 2019. There have been some other efforts, but they've either cleared one branch and not the other or have been punted into 2020. You know, this is something that will impact fuel prices. What is it? Five to 17 cents a gallon um, is something that could bring in hundreds of million dollars in revenue and is you know the only actionable uh, work toward fighting climate change from the legis- uh, from Beacon Hill this year.
0: Yeah, I agree with Chris. I think that's definitely, uh, I'm already penciling it into my 2020 list, especially when we see that final uh, memo come out in the spring and we see how many states sign on. Uh, you mentioned it's the only action we saw on climate change. It's also the only thing concrete we saw floated. Uh, to generate new revenue for transportation, which seems like dominated a lot of the discussion over the past 12 months, but we didn't see much uh, come to fruition from that. Uh, I guess we're expecting January, but uh, we shall see. As for my list, I um, and I think a few people had this, but I, I actually had the Vineyard Wind project on my list, and the fact that it got delayed, I don't think, and I'm not making a projection here, but it started to feel eerily like Cape Wind. Uh, you had delays start to mount. The federal government got in, started pulling back on some of the permitting. You started to wonder if the timeline was going to help scuttle the whole thing. I, I know the, the administration remains confident that the, the Trump administration is going to you know come through with these permits eventually, and this project will become... Uh, the nation's uh, first major o- offshore uh, wind farm, but um, I-, I think just the delay when it became, it was such a, a big story that it, Massachusetts got this offshore wind uh, law into place and, and picked this project that it uh, that it, it ran into these obstacles.
4: So one of the things I tried to do with my ballot is to think, uh, you know, th- to think of things that maybe rather than being one headline, were a, a story that ran the course of the whole year. And one of the ones I had on there that didn't make it was the the saga of the Weymouth Compressor Station. We've seen a lot of the opposition to that really ramp up uh, throughout the year, and certainly the the start of work at that site. Um, the other thing, kind of a, a sleeper story that I didn't put on my ballot because I couldn't figure out how to make it fit in there, but it touches on a couple of themes is. Youth advocacy. We've seen a, a lot of, of young people up here in the building this year, whether it be for the, the regular climate strikes, um, advocating around the, the school funding bill and the tobacco flavor law um, involved a, a lot of young people lobbying for themselves and their friends. And I think that's, you know, not to jump ahead podcast segments, but I think that's something I'll be watching out for in 2020 as well.
1: Uh, Yeah, let's, um, well, we'll get to 2020 in a minute. First, let's look back into the mists of time and look back at the 2010s. And I, I know we've given you a little bit of time to think about it, but probably not as much time as we'd need to consider all the impactful stories that happen up here. Past decade, but uh, Chris, let's start with you as the junior member of the firm. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick a theme rather than an actual news event. And okay, I think that's fair. That the the biggest theme of the 2010s that I see on my beat at least has been transportation revenue, how the state is paying for all of its transportation infrastructure needs. In 2013, I think it was, we had the last gas tax increase of only a few cents. We indexed it and voters immediately repealed the indexing. Here we are six years later, still debating the same topics. What they did last time clearly did not do enough to close all the the gaps that exist to meet the needs of the T that the T still faces. This is something that dominated a lot in the 2010s and was not settled in the 2010s and is going to take us right into the 2020s as well.
1: Yes, still debating this or about to debate it as the debate that was supposed to happen in the House this fall is now pushed into 2020 as we look ahead to potential top stories for next year. Matt?
0: Can you tell that Chris does a lot of writing on transportation you know, for us?
1: <laughs> that was pretty evident, actually.
0: Can you tell that we make him think about this stuff like most of his days? <laughs> Can you tell
1: that I don't do a lot of writing about other things for <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt, what's your top story of the decade as actually the senior member of the firm?
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to steal from the even more senior member of the firm. Uh, Just before we started taping, our uh, boss slash owner, Craig Sandler, was trying to make a pitch for why uh, Martha Coakley losing to Scott Brown was the uh, story of the decade. This and is fascinating. I, I argued that uh, perhaps, you know, in retrospect, it was only a blip on the radar uh, because Scott Brown would go on to lose his Senate seat two years later and uh, it, it would just go down in history as a, a short little period of a Republican representation from Massachusetts. But uh, as, as some of uh, these guys here at the table pointed out, it also gave rise to Elizabeth Warren, who in this past decade basically went from a law professor to a leading contender for the White House.
1: Because this story kind of kicked off the decade back in 2010, and had Brown lost to Coakley, you wouldn't have Warren defeating Brown, and and her meteoric right. rise w- wouldn't really have taken off.
0: Sure, exactly. If we can remember the timeline, you guys can help me out with dates. But we had, uh, you know, former Senator Ed Kennedy dying in, in late 2009. And then there was a special election. Everyone thought uh, Martha Coakley, at the time the Attorney General, was a shoe in. Uh, after she won the Democratic primary, uh, Mike Capuano was one of the people in that race, but she uh, easily won that primary, and, and everyone thought she was a shoo-in for the Senate. She would lose to Scott Brown uh, in 2010, which prompted uh, another Democrat, Elizabeth Warren, to jump into the race in 2012. She would uh, beat Scott Brown uh, and go on to uh, become, you know, this the, the the darling of the progressive left that she is today. And uh, you know, as we saw just last week. Uh, one of the leading contenders on the debate stage uh, for the Democratic nomination for president in uh, you know a decade in which we've seen a couple of people from Massachusetts rise to those levels, including former Governor Mitt Romney.
1: And one has to wonder if she wasn't running for president right now, would there be more oxygen, at least in the local sphere, for Deval Patrick? candidacy. But there's a lot of what ifs there.
0: There's a lot of what. uh, Deval Patrick, we could have a whole nother conversation about just given the fact that uh, he was such a late entry into the race uh, just like a month or so ago, deciding to get in. I mean, he could have been a potentially an interesting candidate in this field, but maybe uh, handicapped himself a bit by awaiting so long.
4: Well, And if you if you in, you know, bizarro Massachusetts, if you do have U.S. Senator Martha Coakley, what does the twenty fourteen gubernatorial race look like that was so close do you do you get a Governor Charlie Baker out of that do you you know who's governor right now in that world
1: Good point Katie, what would your top story of the twenty tens be
4: um well, I came down here prepared to talk about one thing. I was gonna say I think one of the big things up there was the the apocalyptic winter of twenty fifteen for the for the transit situation, which feeds into you know everything we've been talking about. Since it kind of laid bare the, the troubles of the tea. But as I was thinking about it, one of the things I think that's really stretched throughout the decade and become a major policy issue is the opioid epidemic. You know, I remember when I was at the Lowell Sun in 2012, I would write about addiction treatment facilities and I would get angry reader mail accusing me of making the the town I was covering look bad by acknowledging there was addiction. And that that was really reflective of what the attitude was at the start of the decade. You know, it, there was much more of a stigma. People didn't want to talk about it. And, you know, as the, the death toll continued to rise, you saw kind of a shift in thinking and a lot of policy action here on Beacon Hill. You saw a lot of public health, public safety approaches. And I think that really has been... Um, Certainly not a cheerful story of the decade, but it's been one that's that's been ongoing every step of the way.
1: Yeah. And you you even hear more and more uh, lawmakers or policymakers referencing friends, friends of friends, family members who have been directly impacted by this epidemic.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, we've still got there's the Purdue lawsuit. There's people are still filing bills to make it easier to get Narcan. It's it hasn't gone away.
1: Yeah. Colin?
3: Yeah, I think uh, as I look back at the 2010s, I thought that the um, that when we look back at the 2010s, we'll uh, remember the 2010s as the decade of DeLeo. Bob DeLeo started the 2010s as Speaker, and now as we prepare to exit the 2010s, he is still Speaker. He A record has said, speaker. R- right. He's he's uh, poised to be the longest-serving Speaker. He's he's told us he wants to serve as Speaker at least through uh, the 21-22 session so that's 2021 2022 not uh, jumping ahead a century <laughs> or anything but um you know, so he's he's really uh, wielded power throughout the decade here on beacon hill uh and that's seen uh, that has led to a number of uh, important pieces of legislation being passed uh, uh, gun-controlled casino gambling, and on and on and on. Uh, And the one constant throughout the decade, uh, we've changed Senate presidents, we've changed governors, uh, but we have not changed the House Speaker. It's the decade of DeLeo.
1: That's a very good point. Um, And indeed, our top story from last year was all the turmoil in the Senate when in the span of a year we had three presidents leading the Senate.
0: Yeah, on that note, I think one of the—I don't know if we should take heart in this, but one of the things that stood out to me from this list, having done this for— many years i feel like there's always a story of wrongdoing that mm-hmm. creeps its way onto this list and there mm-hmm. were some votes there was uh, you know the the drunk driving of arrest and a discipline of the senate of senator mike brady there was of course the uh, ethics investigation into uh, rep paul mcmurtry for you know a, a potential inappropriate behavior at a cocktail party out at umass amherst at the start of the year but uh, none of them made it to this list so i don't know if that's a you know Kudos to M.A. Poli this year for uh, keeping it together, Or, but um, uh, it did stand out to me.
1: Sure, and I would imagine there were also some votes for the, um, the denouement?
4: I, you've got for to th- stop trying to use that word. I know,
1: I know, I know. Denouement? Denouement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the close of the uh, Brian Hefner tale as well, with him uh, pleading guilty this year.
0: Yeah, actually, you're right. Brian Hefner, the Rosenberg story was a huge story last year. Uh, Brian Hefner, the, um, uh, I guess, can we call him former boyfriend or current husband? I don't really know their status at the moment, but um, of, of Stan Rosenberg, who helped bring down a Senate president. Uh, he did plead guilty to uh, harassing several uh, men on Beacon Hill this year, and uh, I'm not even sure that that got a vote on any of the ballots.
1: Yeah, I, I almost put it on mine, but I ended up spiking it. did it. Um, yeah, and and Chris, just going back to uh, your talk about transportation funding, I don't know if I'd put it as a—well, I, I wouldn't put it as the top story of the decade, but it would crack a top ten list for me. It would be uh, the Capuano-Presley primary, and someone pointed out earlier today up in the newsroom that— had Capuano uh, won re-election and become a transportation chairman down in the U.S. House, we might be seeing more federal transportation funding flowing into Massachusetts than we do now. And that's just food for thought about what might have been and, and so forth. Um, but let's look ahead. Let's gaze into our crystal balls um, and, uh, and, and look ahead to 2020. Let's say we're all here at the close of December next year. Uh, what do we think we're going to be talking about?
4: Is it cheating to say the presidential election?
1: we certainly may well be talking about that and about the kennedy markey election are you, are you
3: predicting a uh, president weld or a president warren or patrick,
4: patrick. even i mean I'm, I'm predicting the occurrence of a presidential election those tend to be pretty big <laughs> stories in that yeah <laughs>
1: and those are usually pretty impactful on uh, massachusetts and all the 49 other states
4: but you know what i will say too i am going to be watching the the legislative races next year and i mean obviously that's our job. Um, but also we did see some some upsets, some longtime lawmakers unseated by younger, more progressive challengers, and it'll be interesting to see if that if that becomes a trend, if that was a blip or, or what.
3: My prediction is a year from now, we'll be talking about taxes. Uh, We know the House is going to start debating uh, transportation revenue in January of 2020. Uh, We don't know what the Senate's plan uh, for taking up a transportation revenue bill is just yet. We do know, however, the Senate has a working group to look at the really the extent of the tax code. So we could see something from them. Uh, But between the transportation revenue debate, uh, the ongoing development of TCI, which, uh, you know, not a tax in the strict sense of that word, but certainly something that's going to make gas cost more for people. Sure. Uh, And the uh, so-called millionaire's tax is going to continue its advancing uh, towards the ballot. So I think taxes are going to be a hot topic next year.
2: I will be interested to see next year what, if anything, happens to address housing. Uh, that's probably among the five or six emergencies or crises that a lot of lawmakers and advocates warn about. The uh, The housing crunch where we just don't have enough units of housing for people to live in as the economy continues to grow here in Massachusetts uh, wasn't really something they did much with in the first year of their two-year cycle. So. If I had to put money on it, you know, we'll probably see something happen in 2020.
1: We see the governor's bill finally
2: moving at least. Moving at least, but we don't really know what's actually going to happen with that or if they'll have any success passing anything.
4: You you sure it's not transportation, Chris?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm trying to broaden my horizons
4: here.
1: (laughs) There you go. Matt, what's the big story in December of 2020?
0: Yeah, I predict that we will be talking about something that we cannot predict right now.
3: That one's that's, cheating. That's a
1: cop out. Jeez.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Matt's taken the field. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, whatever it is, you know that we'll be here talking about it in our 126th year on top of Beacon Hill. So, with that, signing off for 2019. Thanks very much for joining us on the State House Takeout. Have a good one.
3: State House Takeout is a production of the State House News Service. And for a daily fix of statehouse headlines, visit
0: masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.